0: these radios, football bloody hell. of well, you might say we've already had a football bloody hell this week. Well, we're having two this week, just to make it a bit different. on at Yogurtown we've kind of neglected the other footballs that's been going on. So here we are tonight to discuss it. And our guests are Dave Fryer, Rick Hyers, Me. And one of our away day commentators, Gavin Cheetah. So, sit back and enjoy... Nice
1: has been a good old-fashioned football banter. Three. <laughs> and good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of AD. Football? Bloody hell! Yes, and we've got a special, special, you, you could say commentary edition of three of uh, football Bloody hell on three valleys radio uh, this evening uh, mr. producer AD hopper is also here as you've just heard how you doing Nate yeah I'm all right mate it's the others I tell you <laughs> and uh, as I say it's a commentary special as always we've got Rick Hyatt who does do a little bit of comms for the show how you doing Rick I' I'm, I'm, I'm good mate I'm, I'm
2: very good uh, eagerly anticipating the contribution. <laughs> Uh, boy, uh, of your
1: you, mate. All right. And uh, let's bring him in now. It's uh, a Wayday commentator. Uh, it's Mr Gav Cheatham. How are you doing, Gav? Welcome to the show. Thank
0: okay. you. Evening, Dave. Evening, everyone. Evening, old dog. So,
1: before we get started, then, chaps, this evening, I just want to uh, let the listeners know, as I'm sure that they already do, that uh, we did record a podcast uh, earlier this week with the new chairman of Town Football Club Martin Hellier, uh joined us and we had a really good conversation about um the takeover obviously there's been lots to chat about it over the last couple of weeks hasn't there indeed months um about how it completed got over the line and what his um ambitions are for Yoveltown uh Football Club so make sure that you do give that a listen um ...on the Three Valleys Radio website and you can get it in all the usual places where you get your podcasts. But um, tonight we are going to do (laughs) Through all Bloody Hell as per usual. But I am going to streamline it a little bit because it's not very often that we record one in midweek. But um, before I do that, we did have a little bit of breaking news around about half an hour before (laughs) this podcast started... And that's uh, Mr. Ivan Tony, who we know has had this ban looming over him. And it's now been confirmed that he will be banned for eight months. I think it is. I haven't read whether or not that is with immediate effect. Maybe you boys can tell me, but I assume it is. Okay, perfect. So, Rick, I'll start with you then. My first question is, do you think that's a ban uh, fitting of... um, the crime, essentially, I guess, is is how I would put it. And two, how do you think that will affect his career, if at all, um, moving forward and after that?
2: It's probably disproportionate for the offences, but it's it's one that's designed to send a message. I would imagine he can't. Um, I just had a quick look at the uh, the article previously. I don't think he can even start training, he's banned from training and stuff until midway through September, so yeah, you will have a lot more time to... Uh, are you ele- does it
1: say, Rick, whether or not he's allowed anywhere near the, the premises or anything like that, or is it not quite as restricted as not even what, being library? allowed in the building? Uh,
0: they'll probably put underneath <laughs> his name, Care uh, of William Hill.
2: <laughs> Other bookmakers are available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Yeah, I, I just no. I, th- I think it is. T- it's one of those ones that uh, it's the first time. It's setting a precedent and it's sending a message to everybody else that this isn't going to be this sort of behaviour isn't going to be accepted. I mean, the biggest um, impact it's going to have on the game is the fact that I'm going to have to make a transfer in my fantasy team now. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm, sure
1: there's, I'm a- sure there's managers up and down the country uh, of fantasy football that will we sort of be having those same those same pressures. Um, I bet they didn't see that coming. <laughs> AD, I'm going to come to you. Obviously, uh, being a Manchester United man, you did have the situation different, of course. Um, but it was Rio Ferdinand, wasn't it? Who, uh, wasn't he failed a drug test? He missed a drug test, wasn't it? Back in 2004, and four, five kind of time. And it was pro- probably the kind of a similar um, length of ban. Um, what... Are you able to sort of compare it to to Rio in terms of when he obviously came back into the fold as a fan? You welcomed him back um, as normal, and then was still obviously a very valued member of the squad. Would you expect the same to happen to Ivan Tony?
0: Well, I think there's so many things that come into this. I mean, as Rick said, it it does seem slightly disproportionate, but uh, I don't think you can really compare it with a drugs missing a drugs test because that 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 seems to me to be fundamental in the in the the uh what's the one i'm looking for the the good good feelings that football brings um so i, I don't think it's proportionate uh, and i don't think you can compare it with with rio's ban really now as to you know what happens now well obviously uh he's going to be missed and i'm sure he will come back and be welcomed back with open arms, because he's scored quite a few goals for Brentford, and I just think Brentford must be kicking themselves. And of course, we don't know yet what sort of reaction Brentford are going to take on this. They might put him on the transfer market, who knows? And I've seen there was some talk about Newcastle were interested in buying him, I I saw somewhere. So, to to sum up all that waffle, um, I think it's (laughs) disproportionate. I think Brentford are going to miss it. But I guess at the end of the day, if you break the rules, you're going to have to take the punishment.
1: Yeah, quite. Gav, I'll, I'll come I'll come to you next. Um, Brentford would have known that this ban was obviously coming and no doubt that they would have been informed that this length of ban was probably on a horizon. If I'm being really cynical, um, which I like to be... Um, could you argue that, from Brentford's point of view, is that, uh, well, at least then nobody's going to come in for him for a big-money move because he isn't going to be able to play any football for the next eight months?
3: Yeah, it's quite it's quite a drastic way to uh, detract from suitors such as Newcastle. that there they are, isn't it? And that is, uh, I was just reading the article because I didn't actually know about it until uh, till Newbrook, so just come back from work. But it um, did say, to answer the question about the training ground, he's allowed back in September so he's not allowed back initially. Then four months mm-hmm. before the ban expires in January, he's allowed back to training. But I would imagine he'd have no football involvement. But like uh, A B said, he's he's a top scorer. I think he's got about 20, 21 goals this season. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a big chunk. And after such a uh, great season for Brentford, then uh, it's sort of really souring there, like. You know their last couple of games, and then going into the summer, you know, because they're going to be without like their main man for the uh, for the first half of, of next season. So, um, you know, do they get replacement? Do they just get someone in on loan? It's a it's a conundrum that Brentford and that uh, probably didn't think they'd uh, be having. Although, as you say, they had to. It's always been a possibility, as these charges have been uh, looming over his Ivan Tony's head for the last uh, few months.
1: What do we think about the timing of this? Because to me, if I was Ivan Tony and I knew this ban was kind of looming over me, I'd be thinking, I kind of wish that you had made this decision, started it two months ago, and then I knew if I had an eight-month ban coming, you know, I could be two months into it already. But you you dish the ban out with, what, two or three games left of the season to go, and then you sort of, (laughs) sort of everything's just kind of abruptly kind of a decision's been made. Obviously, it's been going on in, in the background, but Rick, Rick, I'll come to you. Are you surprised at the timing of this or does nothing really surprise you in the world of football?
2: Nothing surprises me in a world where you can commit 115
1: financial irregularities
2: and be allowed to win the league. So, <laughs> uh, what well, it could actually do Brentford a favour. See, that because, that's my point. That's a good point. That's still ongoing. It yeah. will be for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. But it could do Brentford a favour because it obviously... He's going to be out for the start of the season. That could put off potential buyers for him because he's a very marketable player at the moment. So it could actually pro- prolong his stay at Brentford further than it further than it might have been. But it, it's with with the FA, you can just chuck it up in the air and see where it lands. Lord knows how their brains work.
1: Well, talking of, of the FA, how do you think it will affect his England chances going forward? Because Gareth Southgate has sometimes been a little bit reluctant to pick him. It's either, it's normally been a case of him or Watkins or Wilson tends to be the, the pick. But with this ban looming over him, do you think that if he comes back still the same player in eight months' time, then it's not going to harm his chances going forward? Or do you think that...
2: Further down the pecking list, weren't he? Because there's a there's a chap at Everton who's suddenly started scoring goals as well. You add him to Watkins as well. Tony was ever only ever going to be uh, a backup for for Kane, so he's not going to do him any favors, and he doesn't seem to be flavor of the month with Gareth anyway. So no, uh, he might be a uh, in a position where he's waiting for a new uh, England manager before he can start doing that again. I mean, I so think. I
0: point... think you go on, Ed. to Cut in. I think you. Um... You're, you're kind of ignoring the, the obvious fact that uh, you know there's an awful lot of uh, of these people that ride white horses and wear a black band around their face and and they say stand and deliver. Now, there's going to be an awful lot of sports lawyers that are loving this because that's going to drag on for a while. They've got the other uh, 115 other cases to deal with. Well, that's going to take at least 10 years. So think of all the lovely fees that are going to be going their way for a start. So it doesn't seem to me... To, to be surprising that they they've banged it in because we all know they're going to make a lot of money out of it on the quiet.
2: Just Call one, me one cynical question, if you want. Time. Well, what one other question I've, I've got? Did he win? He put these bets on. Were they
1: any good? Yeah, good question. One thing. It's a good. It's a good job we don't have any betting rules here at Three Valleys Radio. Otherwise, Ad would have been uh, blackballed a long long time ago, wouldn't you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Stand and deliver. Um, <laughs> my last point on this then was going to be eight months is, is a long time um gav could there possibly be a danger for him that he doesn't even recapture his best form with having eight months out Or do you think he's young enough to sort of that not necessarily be too much of a problem for his I, I career
3: because players are absent you know for for other reasons you know could have other. You know, a bad leg break, for example. So he could have been out for a similar amount of time for through, through injury. So I, I don't, I don't think really. He, he, although he, it looks like he won't be allowed around the first team until September, he still will have his own fitness program given to him by the Brentford uh, coach and staff. I mean, they'd be doing his own bits and pieces, and um, and you know, maybe from the wider scope for Brentford, um, they will have to look at a different way of playing. You know, without him as the main focal point, they may be. You know, it may, in the long run, do Brentford help them out as they, you know, as teams suss them out, as they get established in the Premier League, the way they play with Tony is the focal point. And if he's not there for a good chunk of next season, then they have to find another way to play.
1: Or well, some people, Rick, might have predicted that Brentford were going to go down this season. Right, Got it horribly wrong. <laughs> yes. Yes,
2: I know. There are some very clever people out there who make very astute predictions, I was...
1: Alerted to this afternoon? Uh, I'll just let the listeners in and you and (coughs) Gab AD know Mm -hmm. that um, I let Rick into my. um, At the start of the season, uh, my friends and I, we always do a little prediction of how the Premier League table is going to look by the end of the season. So I had a little look at my predictions today. And as the table stands at the moment, I've predicted one correct place, which is Aston Villa in eighth, and the rest are horribly wrong, which I believe was Brentford, uh, Fulham and Bournemouth to all get relegated this season. So yeah, just goes to show that my opinion counts for absolutely nothing. Well, just just a quick quiz, Adrian, particularly for you. Uh, Can you guess who uh,
2: Hilda might have predicted to win the Premier League
0: this season? Yeah, let me see. I
2: wonder, could Uh, it? Hopefully Could it be his,
0: his pal with his new gnashes behind him, or what, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think I think it was that, shall we, yeah.
0: Yeah, I reckon it probably was as well, but, I mean, you know.
1: I must just quickly point out that I did fill in that prediction sheet after Liverpool won 3-1 in the Community Shield, and I thought, oh, yeah, we're going to be all right this season, and Nunes is going to be fantastic. But, anyway, I digress. We, uh, we move on. Very swiftly. Funny oh, yeah, how you always wanna...
0: digress in the direction of Merseyside. <laughs> I can never quite understand that. So there we
1: go. Well, this, this next point that I've got on my list is, it's really interesting, and it and it's VAR, but it's not about a particular decision. It's um, I'm sure you would have seen uh, Monday Night Football, and Howard Webb was uh, invited onto the show, and I think since doing that, he's been on Talksport and doing lots of other uh, bits and pieces. This week, um, that they've released some of the audio from some of the key decisions uh, this season. In particular, uh, they were keeping a close eye over the Newcastle-Arsenal game, where there was a handball that came up off the thigh and then hit the arm. Um, Rick, I want to start with you on this one, because you have said for quite a while on this programme that if they release the audio... yeah then at least we can say as fans that we can understand the decision, even if we don't necessarily agree with it. And yeah. I do agree with that sentiment. However, looking at the reaction on social media, it doesn't look like fans necessarily have that same point of view. Um, do you still... Are you yeah, still totally. thinking in that same camp? Or have you changed yeah. your mind at all? No, totally. And
2: I, th- I think it was it was good to hear it go through the process. I mean... If- thing is, Dave, if you start to listen to fans on social media, that's that's going to send you balmy more than anything, because uh, there's a lot of opinions there that voiced by people that didn't really ought to have uh, an avenue for their opinion. But um, I think it's got to work. It's the only way it can work. If you look at the two systems, everybody keeps talking about the two systems where it really works well. In cricket and in rugby and in both those, you can hear the process as it goes through. You might not agree with it. You might think they're talking nonsense but at least you know how they've come to that decision. So I I can't see how there can be a a downside to hearing that information anyway. It's got to be better than sitting silent in a stadium for five minutes while they they draw lines in and you don't know what's happening.
1: It's got to be. Have we just got to make sure that the the audio is really clear? And what I mean by that, Gav, I'll, I'll come to you. If you've got all the players objecting in the background and being picked up by the microphone and whilst you're trying to hear the audio then presumably you're going to hear all the moaning players shouting it are in a 10 yard vicinity of the referee and you could probably pick all that up as well unless they're able to isolate it
3: yeah well i've seen it on monday night ahead of the game and it you're right dave it was like um you know, half the time we could hear the ref was going to the captain or the opposing defending team. Get away from me, get away, get away from me. You're going in the book. And then they were trying, but you sort of, when you're watching the game live and you're thinking, God, why is it taking them so long? You know, it's stopped the part to do a VAR decision. But when you actually, when you've seen it on Monday, when they're drawing the cross lines and then you've got VAR, and then you've got assistant VAR, and, and then the, the two assistants at the actual game, uh might happen are mic'd up and they're Like, um, Giving their input to the uh, man in the middle as well, you can understand why it does take so long. But it, especially when it's your team, it take, seems to take eternity, doesn't
1: it? I don't know about you as well, but it was really eye-opening to me. And it, it, it's obvious, really, that uh, they obviously don't know when the referee is at the monitor. They have to rely on the referee to yeah. tell them. Because you're, yeah, let because me know you're when watching you it, that. watching it on the TV, you just expect them to know... Where he is on the pitch, but of course, that, that they have to rely on that. AD did you did you listen to it? What did you make of it?
0: Well, I I, I kind of saw a bit of it, but I I must admit I didn't uh, I didn't sit and, and avidly listen. Um, you do know, you I, I got the, I got the general drift of it, obviously, um, and I, I agree with Rick. I think you know the fact that they do or uh, are going to do that. I think that will certainly help us a lot. I dare say we'll still disagree with all the decisions anyway, because, uh, let's face it, most referees are totally inefficient anyway, as we all know. That's why we shout at them all the time. But I, I think, you know, if, if, if they do, and, and try not to waffle a lot, even, but just tell us, you know, the facts. That's all you want to know is the facts. Right, he was offside, he was the other side of the line, it touched his hand. Whatever it is, just tell us what it is, quick as you can, and that's the end of the story.
2: There is one thing about though, which is why it was quite an unfair example to use, is the fact that they weren't aware that that example was going to be used to the general public. Because that works in two ways. They would probably be more concise if they knew that there was an audience listening to what they're saying. Also, as far as the players go, they would it might actually help the referees. Because if a player thinks that him swearing at the referee or harassing a referee is going to be broadcast
1: live to everybody else, it might make them back off and give the
2: referee a little bit of
1: space. So just for just for clarity on, on this as well, so my understanding is that Howard did say that as a FIFA regulation, at oh, the moment, FIFA. they aren't able to show the audio live, but they can retrospectively release the audio. Is that correct? Unless that yeah. changes? Yeah. Um, because I guess another question, um, Rick, I'll stay with you. If um, they do allow um, everybody to listen to it live, will that be purely for the viewers at home? Will that also be inside the stadium as well? It just occurred to um, me. Surely the fans in the stadium might influence what's being said if they can hear it at the same time.
2: Do you see what I mean? But then again, there is another aspect to that. If you go to the rugby, you can buy RefLink. So if all of a sudden the FA are making a few more quid out of it because they can sell the option to listen to the referee to supporters, that might drive them forward because they like a quid. So, you know, it's it's another revenue stream for them and it might make the first league that does that um, hassle FIFA a little bit more in order to, to push it through a bit quicker if they think they're making money out of it. I
0: think one thing to consider is if you're going to do it Uh, Right, Okay. so referee blows his whistle. uh, It's going to VAR, right. Okay. so we all sit back and wait. And if by the time they've made their decision, we've then got to listen to them debating before they make that decision, it's going to make the, the stoppage of play potentially even longer. And it's bad enough these days as it is.
2: How's it going to make it longer?
0: Well, because you're going to have to listen to them, whereas they might just afterwards if they did it afterwards i'd be fine with that but i am not sure as we we need to have the the whole drama of it all actually played out in front of us including all the um
2: audio well, it's got to be better than listening to jermaine genus true but you know um
0: yeah i don't know i mean it's 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 a it's one of those ones isn't it i mean if if you don't agree with with var and a lot of people don't but I mean, there seems to have been so many, you know, horrendous decisions that, are, that have got through. Um, are we
1: all in agreement, though, Abe, that VR is definitely going to be here to stay? And if we've got things to try to try and make it better, then we just try until we get to a situation where hopefully it yeah. sort of satisfies everyone. As I would much say as that's, can. that's
0: a that's a reasonable way of looking at it. Yeah, definitely.
1: Things to be the next step, doesn't it? You in favour of it, Gav, or at least them trying to yeah I, I make think, it better? I
3: think it's definitely the, the way ahead to to hear the audio. You know, they've also got to tweak it. You know, how much we hear and like how you said, how you um, mute the players and that. And um, but I, I definitely think that, like as Rick said, in you know, rugby and cricket, it works very well in that. And you know, maybe seminars over the summer meet up with the cricket and rugby. Um, VAR equivalents and see see how they have got to the, because it is certainly you know, I've been to a few rugby games recently and they you know they've certainly got it off to off really well so I think that's uh, something that football can learn from those two other sports.
1: So whilst um, this episode is just the four of us Rick and Aidy, i I'm going to give you a little treat. Oh. I've, uh, I put, th- well, maybe it isn't, depends how you look at it. But basically, I'm going to give you both the floor because the Manchester United takeover situation seems to be hotting up, if that's the right word to use. Yeah. And um, I think in the last 48 hours, is it the Qatari businessman has uh, come back again with um, with another offer, ADL start with you to give rick a chance to sort of think about what he's going to say to us yeah. and how he's going to put that forward but um it seems to be dragging on on a little bit and probably you more than anybody else as well as rick probably getting a little bit fed up with it and similarly to the oval situation you just want a a solution regardless of what that is so that you can just then deal with whoever you've got and sort of Get on with it. Would that be fair to say? How do you see it at the moment?
0: Uh, yeah, I think that would be fair to say. I think the whole thing is has been dragging on, and it would appear the reason it's been dragging on is because our our chummy little friends, the Glazers, are uh, think rather misguidedly, I suspect, but think that by dragging it on and dragging it on, they'll keep giving the two uh, you know interested parties a longer time to up their bids, which I guess you could say it's worked so far because they've they've squeezed a bit more out of uh, Sheikh Jassim. but at the other on the other hand, I don't personally I don't like the idea of Jim Radcliffe's deal where the the Glazers are still left involved with the club. It's a bit like Yeovil. You know, if if they'd come up with a deal for Yeovil and Mr Prieston was still involved with the club, I bet it wouldn't have received an awful lot of uh, good wishes. And it's the same with, with, with uh, Radcliffe's one. I, I think, you know, plus the fact he, he, he's, he seems quite happy to only buy 51%, which I think is rather odd. If you're going to buy the club, then buy it and, and go for it. So I personally think that Sheikh Jasim is the man. Um, I know that the whole question of sports washing is going to come up, um, but I'm afraid, you know, it's already happening around us, and why should we you know, put ourselves at a disadvantage because we're trying to be morally correct.
1: Rick Hyatt. Hello. Uh,
2: It's interesting, but as soon as you mentioned this subject, Gav glazed over and started to nod off. (laughs) But Adrian has just um, outlined everything that's wrong with the Qatari bid. You cannot have... Um, one thing about being a United supporter that I quite like it is where I give credit to Arsenal, to Liverpool and to United is that they're proper football clubs. They've made their money through playing Clip football. Clip that up. Clip that up. Yeah, no, no, I'll give them credit for that. <laughs> oh, I thought Rick said something complimentary about
3: Liverpool
1: then. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no, but they are.
2: Do you hear that here pro- again? <laughs> They're a proper football club. They're not like this lot that are coming in now. And as far as the Radcliffe deal goes... Why would you want to buy the whole thing if you can buy 51% and have control? Surely it's about having control, not about owning the whole thing. That's one thing. Also, the shares that the Glazers intend to keep are non-voting shares. Radcliffe's actually been very clever. And everyone goes on... It's funny. 12 months ago, he was the saviour. Oh, please, Jim, come and make us a bid. Come and make us a bid. Get the horrible Glazers away. As soon as the Qatari aspect comes into it, all your internet fans start playing football manager in their head and think that everything's about having um, endless finances. And we know that obviously financial fair play means nothing because we've got Lance Armstrong's favourite club at the top of the Premier League at the moment. And as as a supporter of what I would consider a proper football club that make money through playing football, I quite like having the moral high ground. And there's a, there's a chant that United fans sing to Chelsea about hollow. How hollow is your success? Because it's come on the back of having money injected into the club that hasn't come through football purposes. And if, you, if I was a Manchester City fan, I would like to think that I'd be a bit... Yes, it's lovely to win everything, but they must know
1: they've got there through a completely artificial situation so this is why i just wanted to play in devil's advocate which i love to do on football bloody hell but you're absolutely right about the moral the moral comfort side of things but it's ad right in terms of we are going to get to a point where this is now just football and as much as we want to hate the way that things are being being done, particularly off the field and where money's come from. But we spoke at length a few months ago that obviously it's not just the Qataris where we're questioning where the money's come from. There's lots of billionaires. There's pretty much a billionaire's playground in the Premier League at the moment. You probably question where a lot of all that money's come from. And are we getting to a point where we're sort of... we're We're trying to rank... What's the, you know, the lesser yeah. of, of, of two evils and, and all that sort of thing? But maybe it has thing, gone too far, and you should just enjoy it. I don't. You know, know. The
2: situation with United is they don't need a sugar daddy. If the club was run properly, they generate enough income to run efficiently as a football club. They don't need anybody to come in, and to, and everyone's making out all of a sudden like Radcliffe's son, pauper that he needs to take out a loan to do this and loan to do that. The bloke's worth more than Roman Abramovich. And the reason he's taking out loans is because it's, it's being done through Ineos, who aren't white as the white themselves. There's an awful lot about that company that's a bit dubious. But um, so they're, they're doing it. I think they're doing it properly. And I think the business model is proper. I would rather so much. I think if United go down the line of being owned, being a state-owned club, I just think it's, it's a horrible place to be. And it devalues everything about the club. In my opinion, Go on, Rick, yeah. you,
1: outside view, you how, do, have, how do you feel about I was
3: it? Gonna say, if you did have a Middle East consortium take over, Rick, yeah, and you started winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues again, surely you would. Although you want, I, I totally underget and like, I think that's why Liverpool and United have got this mutual respect because they are, like you say, proper proper clubs. You know, they have yeah. financial backing, and they obviously they have, but not to the extent of like Chelsea with the and Man City and that and latter last last couple of years Newcastle. But surely if United were you wouldn't think, Oh, I'm not gonna celebrate that title like we did a few years ago under Fergie because because of where you who
2: mm. your owners are, if you like. You, I, you don't know until it happens, do you? And and I, I obviously you'd celebrate, but there's still be I, I'm I'm stubborn enough to know that there were a bit of be a part of me that would feel it was a bit cheaper if it had been cheapened, been tarnished a little bit. I'd like to think so anyway.
1: Does it depend, Rick, on I know this is all hypotheticals, but say say you have a Qatari ownership but they don't just give you an unlimited transfer kitty it's done a bit more measured and you only have, I don't know two big signings a, a summer or something like do you see what i mean it's done in the quote unquote right way would that help rather than it's just well, the here's angle, a transfer window here's a yeah. huge change and now you're just going to transport yourself into first place well united have spent as much money as anybody this is the one thing that keeps getting chucked back is that they've
2: spent as much money as anybody spent as much money in the transfer market as city it's just been spent really badly and nobody should underestimate the damage that Ed Woodward did to that football club. I know the Glazers get all the stick and he was their man, but Woodward was an absolute joke. And I think the way that they're going to, the Qataris would come in and try to sell it is the same way that Abu Dhabi have tried to do it with City, in, in so much as they improve the infrastructure around the club, they do the training ground, they do the stadium. It's not necessarily transfers. It's everything around the club, so that they make it more appealing to the general community Around it, but it's still sport washing a medieval regime, and that's horrible.
0: But do you not think that, um, Shake the seams offer, yeah, as you just rightly said, it's for infrastructure changes, <laughs> Old trapper changes, the training ground, all the rest of it,
2: yeah.
0: And plus, he's going to put some money and leave it in a bank account for transfers. I think. I How do you say. know this,
2: Aid? Eh? Well, I'm only you know going by the... what I've been
0: read in the papers, but. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, considering that both bidding parties have signed NDAs. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. Well, no, this that's, is all that's conjecture. true.
0: But, but you it's know, all, all my comments are based on what I've read in the papers. So, all right, what I haven't got like a it's... secret hotline to shake this in Go on, say it. emails Go or whatever. On, what?
2: Well, I, I tell, tell, us, tell, tell us which
1: paper.
0: So, anyway. Um, where was I from? So rudely interrupted.
1: Um, Delete as applicable.
0: I think, I think basically, I still think that the, the, the Qatari deal is a better one than, than, um, Jim Radcliffe's. So looking at based that purely, Pum? On, on, on what? On the, well, based on what we've read about. All right. You, you can always slung, swing that in and you're right. But I'm, I, I, we're discussing this in an open fashion based on what yeah. we've read in the papers. So yeah. the fact that there are non-disclosure agreements, no doubt signed, is, is a good point. But at the end of the day, all we know is what we read in the papers, right? As things yeah. stand. So that's all you can comment on. And I'm commenting because I still think that his deal is a better deal than Radcliffe's deal.
2: Because of what? I don't understand it because the transfer budget of United has always been competitive with City well, if that's the
0: case, um, why haven't we gone 30 out and bought a load of players already then? Or made agreement to buy a load of players already? Yeah, because
2: of financial fair play. And there's an awful lot of debt would still need to be shipped out. And also, you talk about just spending... United have, have chased big names for too long. The, the best signings, I think, would be the ones that Eric wants. Regardless of whether they cost you 50p or 100 million quid. If it's a player that Ten Hag thinks was, would benefit the team, that's more important than the amount of money you're spending
1: on it. United have been caught up with this for too long.
0: Well, I could say.
1: Well, there you go. There you go. Well, I wanted to give you two a chance just to <laughs> to fall out of steam, get a chance to just get it out, let the listeners know that it's still very much on your mind, and um, we watch, we wait as as that as that ticks on. Um, I'm more concerned I with guess. the fact
0: that we're now being linked to Sadio Mane. So there you go. We've we should left. have
2: bought him from Southampton. Mm, we should have done. That's we could have bought him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, but Edward Ed was... would manage to cop that deal up as well. So there you go. Mm.
3: Well, I feel sorry for you, uh, Aidan and uh, Rick, going through two takeovers with both your teams. That must be harrowing.
2: I mm. tell you what, it's, we've mentioned this before. Both the teams I've got an interest in, an absolute, it's like they're having a competition to so see you can be the worst yeah. football club. It's, it's shocking, mate
3: the oval one, in inverted commas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The oval was finished first. Yep. After
2: what seemed like forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At least it's done now. Let's put that to bed. That's sorted. Go on, Mr. you've Sort it out, mate. One day, one to go.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very much so. So, so, Gab. whilst we've got you then, let me ask you um, a Liverpool question. Because also... Um, You might have seen in the last hour or so, Liverpool have now officially confirmed that James Milner, Roberto Firmino, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita are all going to leave the club on their contract expires. Um, Gav, we know that Firmino is on his way out anyway. That has been confirmed a few weeks ago. Um, There's a lot been said about a midfield... um, Influx that needs to happen this summer. And looking at Milner, Cater and Ox, yes, okay, you could question their ability and how often they were used in the squad, particularly over the last 18 months, but that is going to leave a hole that needs to be filled. Yeah, I think, although
3: Cater and Ox have, you know, they haven't played an awful lot this season, have they? So you'd only really say, um, and Milner really only off the bench, but um, so but they have been linked with Mason Mount, haven't they? And um uh I've forgotten his name, the the Alexis uh, uh, Brighton.
0: Two three
3: So um like they've said, Liverpool have got a, an ageing in midfield, Jordan Henderson, Rick's favourite, not playing oh. as frequently as he has. And um they have been linked with a number of midfielders. Uh, I know Mason Mount is, um, even though Pochettino's on his way to Chelsea, Mason Mount has been strongly linked with Liverpool. Gallagher. There's, um, Connor Gallagher also at Chelsea. He's been linked, and then um, there's the, um, uh, um, the Brighton, the Argentinian World Cup winner. Macallister. Yeah. McAllister, yeah, he's been linked. Although he did, I did see in the last few days he said that he wants to go to a, a team competing in the Champions League, so that could be a bit uh, dodgy with um, a couple of. Games we'll come to on go. to that later. We'll come on to that later. <laughs> yeah, so so I think Liverpool, you know, but obviously for me, you knows the main one, like said, of the players and, and Milner's been a great servant for Liverpool, and um, I someone said that he's got a business interest with Adam milana and they're good mates, and he's still at Brighton isn't he so that may have swayed us as to as go to Brighton and you know why wouldn't you go to Brighton for more minutes uh there's certainly a club on the up and looking pretty good for European football next season for the first time so it'd be a good time to go there so um yeah so you know uh the times are changing in the, in the Liverpool midfield and um yeah but firmino has been uh it's been a brilliant player hasn't he for there. Is it six or seven years? You know, not not an out and eight striker, but he's such a clever player, and uh, he will be a uh, sorely miss when he moves on um, in a couple of weeks time.
0: Do you think well, that you Liverpool to... a bit a bit well, um, a bit previous getting rid of Firmino? I think it was uh, more the other way around. He
3: Liverpool offered him another year contract, eh? but he he said to the club he he wanted to go when he wants a new challenge, and that. Uh, I think he's been linked with Barcelona, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up somewhere mm. like that. or maybe PSG or something. Where do you think he's going to end up, Dave?
0: Ooh, I don't
3: know. That is a
1: good, 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 good question. I hadn't really um, thought about it. I think he's definitely you of don't care. Players, do so. <laughs> I was slightly out of mind. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah. Like Would the good question to get was... money back. Yeah, will we get Danny back? But I don't yeah. I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I really don't. Um I think Firmino is definitely gonna be one of those players that you look back and he's certainly gonna be appreciated in Liverpool. Whether he gets the same appreciated appreciation from elsewhere, I don't know because he's one of those players that, you know, people would say to me all the time, Yeah, but he's a forward It doesn't score any goals and you know, that's the kind of thing that fans always like to, to label at you but Rick, I'll come to you just before we end that point. Do you think he is one of those players that unless he plays for your club, you don't necessarily see all the the things and links to play that he does bring to the side, or do you think though no, there is actually an acceptance there that he is gonna be go down as not one of the greats in terms of, you know, epic goal scoring, all that kind of stuff, but he he was a very technically gifted player and really good to watch. You you can see what he brought to
2: the team. So yeah, he is one of those. It's a bit of, a bit of all of it, really. If, you, if you're a football purist, you can see he's, he uh, pioneered the non-scoring centre-forward role that Val Becker <laughs> has so handfully taken on. And uh, also he went, to that same, that, he went to that dentist in Liverpool that Klopp and Brendan <laughs> Rodgers went to. He did. And Jordan yes, Henderson's he been there. You go to Liverpool and you do seem to get really nice teeth after you've been there for a little while so he'll be missed by him anyway
0: <laughs> what well, do you think uh, as liverpool supporters um sadio mané i mean as i mentioned earlier that he we've been linked but i mean we're linked with everybody so that doesn't really come as a surprise but if he was to go to united would you lot be up in arms and 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 you know really fed up equally yeah. are we going to be oh he's ex liverpool do we want him kind of thing it's a It's almost a no-win situation for both of us, really, if it was to happen.
3: I think he would score. He's proved it with all his years at Liverpool before he left. scored so many goals in the Premiership that I think you'll soon overlook that that he's at Liverpool because, you know, he hasn't gone directly to you, has he? He's gone via... um, Michael Owen. Well, yeah, go ahead. Well,
1: some people will argue that, you know, Liverpool fans don't even recognise him as, yeah. uh, as Well, I think that's the same for most clubs that Michael Owen's been Nobody to. Uh, probably players. says probably says and, more and about his personality. Paul Ince going
3: the other way from United yeah. to Liverpool. You know, he was not very popular. So he he still day, isn't with me. Know, once he made that move.
0: Pardon me. I said he still isn't with me. Popular. Oh, no, really. right,
3: yeah. <laughs> least, no. But, uh, but Marne I think Mane would certainly improve your, your, forward, your forward line, you know, with...
1: If you fair, played, rough. if you played, if you played him in the right place, I think, Gav. So like, obviously, he left Liverpool. He was always playing on that that left hand side and doing really, really well for us. Well, he's gone to buy Munich to replace Lewandowski. I mean, you're trying to make him something that he's not. Yes, we did play him through the middle a couple of times, but I think if he did end up yeah. coming to United and playing in that same place, he would be really good for you which is I know it just can't happen I can't, no
0: unless I no. missed it though has he scored <laughs> that many goals for Bayern Munich since he's been there no I don't think yeah. he's had a, a wonderful season
1: has he mm-hmm. no well, well it's one of those where people say he hasn't had a good season but he still had 12 or something which is not terrible no. but it's not quite I the same When he used City to have. Was, yeah I was just
3: thinking when Liverpool and City were going head to head two or three seasons and they were you know, way ahead of everyone else. It, they just dovetailed really well. Mane, Firmino and Salah were just
1: a bit good trio. Nice shoehorn, yeah. nice, nice shoehorn, because you've just mentioned City there. And because this is a midweek one, I want to talk about the Champions League semis, because Inter Milan have booked their place into the Champions League final. And tonight, as we record this um, game between City and Real Madrid, is very, very poised. Um Aidy, you've been saying that you think Madrid will probably have just a bit too much mouse for this one. They obviously go in 1-1, don't they, going into the Etihad. Do you think that they can go to the Etihad and win and, and get through? How do you see that one going?
0: Well, I'm kind of drawn between two, two very difficult scenarios, really. Uh, <laughs> my, my basic bottom line is I want Manchester United to win the treble. No, sorry, well, not to win the trouble. But to, to, to win their <laughs> three objectives. Wait a
1: while.
0: To win their three objectives, i.e. League Cup, FA Cup and and uh, fourth place or, or higher in the league. Now, if we play Manchester City, I say if we play, we play them on the weekend after the FA Cup final. So, therefore, there is the suggestion that maybe Liverpool, um, Manchester City would drop not drop, but change the team around a bit to, to keep it strong for the final, if they got to the final. So that's one scenario. On the other hand, I want to see them beaten, and I want Real Madrid to win. So, like I say, I'm drawn between the two, really. I think, old balance, I suppose, I think it's better to have the bird in the hand, is worth two in the bush, so I want Real Madrid to win today, and I think they will. I don't think they'll win by much, but I think they'll win by the odd goal. Um I don't think it'll go to penalties or anything like that. I think they'll do it in 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 the time and i just i just think i just think they' they' they're gonna do it and and poor old pop pep pop has um pop you know he's still left waiting to win it for city, which uh well
1: you know it's it's not gonna come see i i you know i know that you don't want it to happen, but Rick, if it's gonna be any season looking at who they've got in the final, yes, obviously they've got Madrid to get past, but you'd probably think maybe it's this one.
0: Well, Inter um, Milan, you mean?
1: No, well, that that City would go on to win it from here. Mm. You'd you take you know, Inter Milan in a final if you get there, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, I, I I haven't wanted Real Madrid to win a European Cup semi-final as much for 12 months now. <laughs> <laughs> I've bore myself talking about City because it... It's a really silly situation because you can't deny the quality of the football they're playing and the quality of the players they've got. Especially after learning talking about um, Monday Night Football, as you were earlier on with the VAR thing, it was interesting to learn that Jack Grealish is a better footballer than Ryan Giggs. That (laughs) was that
1: was quite a bombshell. I wouldn't have just just quickly coming in on that, Rick. Can can we all agree to stop doing these elevens? They're pointless. What, who cares what happened and what was the point in having the segment if Gary was just going to pick everybody in United team anyway like it was obviously just set up for that reason it was pointless yeah.
2: it's a conversation point isn't it and that's all and I think the only reason that any City players would get into a combined eleven is the fact that most of the United team are in their 50s now <laughs> but uh, no I, I don't know I find it hot. The, the whole City thing It just leaves such a bad And I sound like a moral crusader all the time, but um, from a footballing point of view, yeah, they never had a better opportunity to do it. And you can see it
1: happening from a football lover's point of view. It's horrible. And On the flip side, Rick, you could find yourself in a scenario where Manchester City get to the final and their old man Ed Zecco comes back against Manchester City and haunts them. Is that the scenario you're looking forward to? Well, not as much as the other the other thought about that is the fact that if there's any team
2: that can stop a club doing the treble, it's United because I think you'll find in nineteen seventy seven they might have uh, done it as well. Lou
0: Macari and Stuart Pearson.
2: Yep, because that that would have been the first treble. I must have been out I must have been out that day.
1: Mm. (laughs) I must have been out that day. You and
2: memory. But people do forget that, that, you know, that in, in that dominant Liverpool period, they very nearly did the the treble. It, it was only United saving football that day. So let's hope that they can, if called upon,
1: can do it again. Gav, how do you see it?
3: Well, I don't know if you all watched uh, their first leg last week, but the two the two main strikers, Haaland and... Um,
1: What's the name for Madrid? Benzema. We'll help Benzema, you out tonight yeah, yeah. the name they, seems they to be very, escaping you.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they were very quiet and so you think you think coming into tonight surely they're not going to have a quiet game again but um, I think it's perfectly boys because no away goals last season or two is there in the Champions League so it's a one-off game. Madrid seem, you know, are the masters of the Champions League and the European Cup before, you know, the, the amount of trophies at the times they've won it but City, you know, they're a different animal, they've gone up a notch with Haaland this season, you know, crazy goal return and you know, they will have home advantage. So but you you know you can you can pros and cons of both sides, you know, Madrid is such a good team away from home. That I, it's it's really just too tight to the ball, I think. It's gonna be I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a good game.
1: So sticking with those one-off games, we don't always get an opportunity um, to talk playoffs on the, on this podcast. So I want to sort of reference particularly the championship playoff because, as we record this, Luton Town find themselves um, in the final and it's going to be either Middlesbrough or Coventry that join them as well. Um, AD, I'll start with you. If it's a Luton v Coventry playoff final, I mean, that's going to be – very interesting from a neutral perspective because you could argue that I don't think any woman would mind either of them coming up.
0: no, no there's something wouldn't. a bit different I mean having been to Kenilworth Road, I can confirm it does need a bit of work doing there to say the least <laughs> um it, it's God, I mean, I've been to a few grounds, but that really was from a taking photographs point of view it was dreadful but um I wonder what Nathan Jones is thinking there. You know, what might have been? And, you know, obviously, you can't blame Nathan for taking the the job at Southampton. It was a Premier League club, after all. And there was no guarantee that Luton were going to reach the playoff finals. And even now, they haven't got through through to the Premier League yet. So, um, I don't think... I think Sunderland would have been a better draw in the Premier League, quite honestly. They're a bigger club altogether. But... um, they're not. They're out. So, well done to Luton. They've obviously uh, and their manager because
1: he Could must you have... fa- Who'd you fancy, Aid, out of Middlesbrough, Luton, and um, Coventry? Because obviously you got two actually United men in there, and Mark Robbins. And... Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It's Mark Robbins, isn't it? And Michael Garrick. I think,
0: I think, um, I think Luton. I think they've got a good chance of, of going through.
1: Well, they uh, finished third, didn't they? In yeah.
0: The I think. Um, I think Michael Carrick's done a hell of a job at Middlesbrough. So I think they would probably uh, they would get my vote. I think so. A Middlesbrough, Luton final.
2: Great. Uh, Coventry, please. Remember Is that what you'd like to see? Yeah, I, 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 ultimately coming up into the uh, Premier League, I'd like to see Coventry, especially if they could go back to wearing chocolate brown kits again. Is there a waste <laughs> strip? Yeah, that, that. that would be quite cool.
1: I mean, the Luton story and the Coventry story are just as or, or romantic as yeah. each other, aren't they? Because Coventry have had so many mo- money problems and stuff to well, get yeah. into the Premier League, and with all their money to secure their stadium. And when Mark Robbins took over at what league midway through League Two, I think yeah. not long after Yeovil won there and won six-two, and now look at them. Think league yeah. One day, yeah. Oh, League One was it? Sorry, yeah. And then yeah. Um, you've got. Obviously, Luton that were, was it 10 years ago, they were in non-league? And then yeah. they've sort of gone all the way yeah. up in the last 10 years. So um, so with that in mind, it'll probably mean that Middlesbrough will win it. Yeah. <laughs> is that what we think?
2: Either of those two is, is a better story. Middlesbrough would be the least romantic, wouldn't
3: it? Because they have been in the Premiership most recent. But commentary like, didn't they have a season, at, uh, was it Northampton, season ground sharing at Birmingham's ground? So they've only, yeah. and then they... They've only just got the rights back to the ground, haven't they? They nearly lost their ground. And, then,
2: and didn't so they top. miss the, the start start of the season? They couldn't play matches at home because of the was it the Commonwealth Games rugby was played? Yeah, was the
3: pitch was terrible, wasn't it? They've been yeah. using it for athletics or something, wasn't it? And so the ground was. Uh, I think they had to play their first few. They didn't play a home game until about October, did they? It's crazy. Nope. But uh, yeah, no. But, but Robbins has done well. Carrot's done well for his first um, managerial post, and. Um, and Luton would be the biggest fairy tale thing, as Dave said. You know the the tightness of the grounds. I've been there for Luton Watford derby. You know they're 50 miles away, but they're not fans of one another. But it is a. It will be funny seeing the uh, seeing Pep and Jurgen um, in the uh, away dressing room at Kenilworth Road.
0: Because it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit rough on on Luton in in so much as if they were to go up, um, they're going to either have to build a new ground somewhere or. Um, really do up Kenilworth Road, which is going to cost a lot of the. Is it a hundred million odd they reckon to get? I can't remember what the figure is now, but for yeah, going at least. it's a, a two hundred million game now. Eh? Oh well, all right. But even so, yeah. uh, you would think that that would have lasted them for a, at least a season from
2: the transfer point of view. Whereas now and they might have to. Isn't not it, it ten million they've got to spend minimum just for safety requirements yeah. to get what
0: got up to up so to scratch? they're are immediately ten million down on the deal if you like, because yeah. they've got to build or you know do whatever they got to do. But um, that's that's just you know. But it it is a. But they were they were talking about it on Talk Sport and they were making the point that would you as a if you were a Luton Town supporter and you left it more or less as it is, would you be relying on that to put off? the likes of Manchester City, United, whoever, when they go to the ground because they're going to be, you know, really tight to the crowd, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's a bit of a come down for them and it might be enough to tip, tip the balance. Or are you, you know, are you thinking, well, no, let's have a new stadium and, and really go for it and be be like Brentford? I don't know.
3: Bournemouth ground is very similar in capacity, isn't it? A? Uh, yeah, it is, but it's, it's, it's capacity it's is, is
0: similar, but the ground itself is a lot better than Kenilworth uh, yeah, yeah, Road. That's the agreed, thing. Yeah. Looked,
2: do you actually like um, this Do you actually go through someone's garden to get into the? I've read, read it in a few places that you have to go through someone's back garden to get to the ground. Yeah, You're, to go
3: to go to the away end because I went to Luton Watford. I was sat in the away end. I Me mean, mate I worked with was a Watford fan and. You actually go, it's like going in the You go through garden through allotments, and you go back. Brilliant. The they were saying it that the
0: brilliant. turnstile is right next door to somebody's front door literally, <laughs> right next yeah. door. So, you've got one door there, and then the turnstile literally right next door to it. It's brilliant. So, if
1: you take the wrong turn, then you're going to head that Yeah, the you're going to go into, into this boat
2: yeah. <laughs> and watch it on the telly.
1: Yeah, Some bloke with his dinner on his lap. What are you well, doing? Stick, Just go got you can watch. Well, it. yeah, exactly. Sticking with um, the playoffs, just wanted to reference, obviously, bid in the National League this season, that uh, Knox County, they didn't half make hard work of it in their final. And um, the National League playoffs, they certainly haven't failed to disappoint. They they nearly got knocked out twice, was it? Before they... Yeah. Even, no, sorry. They nearly got knocked out right at the end, didn't they? 4-1 um, was, was the game. And, and then it took a... Really poor piece of goalkeeping from the Chesterfield keeper for Notts County to get back in it right at the end and then two more goals in extra time as well. But, Gab, over the season, you can't deny that Notts County deserved to go up, but maybe not necessarily on the day.
3: Yeah, definitely, yeah. They were... It was really... And what about about the penalty? Did you see when um, the goalie that they subbed, didn't they? They'd done brought them on right at the end of extra time. Like the penalty special, he saved two Chesterfield penalties. And then John Boscott, who was like a kid prodigy Pen- at Spurs, Penenka did it, it, didn't he, to win it? He, he did a palanca, you know, four years out of the league, got relegated with Yeovil yeah. like four years ago, and he taken back to the Football League and he tried to palanca. I mean, what what was he thinking? But luckily, um, it didn't. But he, he said afterwards, jokingly, in addressing me, he thought it's a crossbar challenge on Soccer AM. <laughs> But yeah, you can't you can't disagree. Wrexham and Knox County were streets ahead of everyone else. But it's a bit like the um, it's a bit like the League One playoff, isn't it? Because Ipswich, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday all had ninety plus points, but that's gone the other way. Sheffield Wednesday absolutely destroyed the by Cornel- Peterborough. 4 Cornel- yeah. Cornel- oh,
1: Peterborough,
3: so they've got a massive job on their hands. Thursday this is night. why we so love no the
1: playoffs, way. isn't it? Love the playoffs.
3: Yeah, they are fun
1: everyone loves the
3: play
1: involved. <laughs> yeah exactly well that's pretty much all we've got time for make sure that you do tune in to Football Bloody Hell over the next couple of weeks as we get down to the nitty gritty of the season and we will then find out who gets top four who will inevitably win the title and who will go down with Southampton Maybe. or with Leeds uh, that's right Rick Hyatt so thank you to my guests this evening Rick thank you very much
2: always always a pleasure
1: Gav Cheaton, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you.
3: Nice to speak to you
1: all. AD, it's a a good night for me, Dave Pryor, and I'll let you sign off in the usual way.
0: Well, I will sign off in the usual way, but before I do that, just a reminder to our listeners that from now on, you will be able to get Football Bloody Hell on our podcast (laughs) section on the website. So it's a lot more convenient for you guys out there to listen to it when it suits you, rather than when we deem it suits you. So all you need to do, go to the website, podcast section, and away you go. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy the show. And until next week's football bloody hell, good night.